Hello, I'm Stephen Allen. Here's a podcast of uh, things that I, the sketches that I worked on during July. There are some things in life you don't want to win. The worst dressed competition, the best Donald Trump lookalike, the Eurovision Song Contest. What is that? If you win it, you have to host it the next year. Who needs that expense when we have austerity? Did you know that's why the government is really backing Brexit? It'll stop anyone voting for us, and the money we save by not hosting Eurovision could be spent on the NHS. It won't be, but I saw it on the side of a bus. Here's another win we didn't want. Dover has come top of a league table of worst places to live in England. Doesn't that sound so much worse than the bottom of the league table of best places to live? In the survey, it was called Herpes Infested. No, no, I have to defend Dover. It was not like that at all. That wasn't what I caught the last time I went there. The interesting thing about this survey is that they were asking the people who actually live there, so it was voted by the locals. One was quoted as saying that Dover had gone downhill. No, that's just rising sea levels. Makes it look like it has. Also in the top ten of worst places to live, we had Luton, so bad they named it once. Hull, I've gigged there, they're one letter out. Scunthorpe, nope, can't think of any jokes about that name. But what does it all mean? To find out more, I'm joined by a location expert. Why is Dover at the top of that list? I mean, it's always seemed lovely when I've been there. Remember, it's it's voted for by the people who live there. Maybe they work hard to make people believe it's not a nice place to live. So why do that? Lots of people from Europe trying to get to Dover. If you can make it look like it's not a nice place, it might put them off, if you know what I'm saying. Oh, I see. They're doing it to make sure the Eurovision Song Contest never comes here. Oh, this story is right up my street. Scientists at Aberystwyth University have suggested we should ban shaking hands in hospitals. You know I'm not really one for physical contact, so this is perfect. I think it should go further, like having grapes brought to you or getting a bed bath. If it's good enough for a hospital, it should happen in everyday life. It's because handshakes spread germs. If the person is right-handed, that hand that you're about to touch has been getting stuck into everything they've been touching lately, and you're about to get a handful of it. They should run public health warnings. Did you know shaking someone's hand is like shaking the hand of everyone that person has shaken hands with. Experts are saying that doctors should greet patients with a high five, which spreads half as much bacteria as a handshake, or a fist bump, which spreads a tenth. I like the idea of a high five. If you go and see the doctor and he high fives you, you'd think, my test results must be amazing. I'm not sure about a fist bump. If a doctor says, blood, you'd start rolling your sleeve up thinking, oh, great, more needles. The handshake should go. We don't need it anymore. It was originally developed as a way of showing someone that you didn't have anything in your sword hand. These days, I am willing to just assume that my doctor probably doesn't have a sword on him. In a hospital, the only one with a sword is the night nurse with a K. Yes, leave these to me. Doing a fist bump, or even better, a nice little wave from across the room, would help to reduce the spread of things like flu. If we all just agree that not shaking hands isn't being rude, we'd be better off. Is that a deal? Okay? Okay. Let's shake on it. Don't... Donald Trump spent the 4th of July playing golf. I'm not going to comment on that, that's up to them. They wanted independence, they got it. Of the 165 days that he's been in office, he spent 35 of them playing golf. That's a lot of golf. Even doctors are thinking, wow, does he ever do any work? But again, I'm not telling him how to do his job. He doesn't tell me how to do mine. I'm sure he hardly ever comments on the media. I wouldn't mention it at all if it wasn't for the fact that before he was president, on the campaign trail, he said, I love golf, but if I were in the White House, I just want to stay in the White House and work my ass off, make great deals, right? Well, firstly, we saw that picture of him wearing the tennis outfit. He hasn't worked it off. It is definitely still there. But also, he said he wouldn't be playing any golf. Play golf, don't play golf, whichever. But don't say you're not going to play golf. 
and then play golf. Bill Clinton. What he did when he was in the White House was wrong, but at least he didn't campaign saying, I will not have relations with the interns. Trump also said, Had you leave for three weeks to play golf? In retrospect, it now sounds like he was doing research so he could make it happen. The reason he mentioned golf was because he used to complain about the amount that Obama played. Obama plays more golf than professional players on the PGA Tour. Do you think he mixed up Obama with Tiger Woods? But as I say, I'm not complaining about Donald Trump playing golf, and I think people should stop. There are those in America who don't like him being president. They should try to get him to play more golf. Up it to 365 days a year, that should keep them happy. For a comic book hero nerd like me, now is a fantastic time to be alive. We have lasers and spacecraft, and now real-life superheroes. Oh, does he actually have superpowers? No, okay, maybe a hero, not a superhero. Fans of X-Men must be upset that the only mutation we've spotted is colorblindness. By day, he's a mild-mannered reporter, but by night, he can read some of those numbers on the colored dot tests, but can't read others. The real-life hero is the Bromley Batman, and he's struck again. He's a guy who walks the street of Bromley fighting crime. Now, I should say he doesn't like being called the Bromley Batman. He prefers the name The Shadow. But that makes him sound like he's the new guy at work who's just looking over your shoulder to work out how to do the job. Either that or he should be playing guitar behind Cliff Richard. In the latest installment, Kyla and Tom Simpson were out celebrating their anniversary in Croydon when two thugs stopped them and tried to mug them. The Bromley Batman appeared. He beat up the muggers and then they ran off. I don't know why someone hasn't made a film about him. I suppose it might be a bit South London. Here, give me your wallet. Oi, I'm Batman. You trying to mug those people? The only mug here is you, you muppet. Now, do one, you toilet. Still, it'd keep Jason Statham in work. But we have to be careful. When superheroes happen, supervillains are created too. It won't be long until we notice someone with crazy hair, a ruthless obsession with power, and maybe nuclear weapons starting to appear in the news. Uh, is that a joke about Donald Trump or Kim Jong-un? You know, I don't think it matters. Ah, the Kent County Show is back. They're so good, I'm surprised they haven't caught on more. But as it stands, Kent is the only county to hold a Kent County Show. Seems strange. Let's have a look through the brochure together, should we? It's taking place at the Kent Showground. Used to be called the Kent County Showground, but due to mispronunciations, it ended too many broadcast careers. Once again, this is the place where you can see Morris dancing. I know what it means now. Last year, I went up to some bloke called Morris and told him I had a roll of 20s. That got awkward. This year, the brochure says it will be more of a hands-on experience. So, it's a good job it wasn't this year that I bumped into Morris. There are aerial displays, and this year it says it's going to be even bigger, so maybe not just aerials, satellite dishes, cable boxes, maybe even routers. There'll also be some planes flying in the sky. Shame there isn't a better title for that. The Kent Spitfire will be there. I think that's part of the Kent County show. Either that or the Brexit negotiations aren't going well. Then there's Mr. and Mrs. Flora. Do you know why they call her Flora? It's because... Don't you dare! Because she knows about flowers. What do you think I was going to say? There's the 25-metre UK pole climbing championships. I might have a go at it this year. Have you been in training? No, but it'll be handy to get a good view of the other events. Last time I was there, when I saw those poles, I thought, so this is where Morris does his dancing. Kept getting awkward. Also, new for this year, yarn bombing, which explains why they have that spitfire. Basically, there's so much. By the time I've read through all of this, it'll be next weekend, and I'll have worked out what I want to see in the show. Don't... 
You know, in some parts of America, they have a problem with bear attacks. That's where a bear will attack a human. Over here we have bear attacks, but that's when a young person has been playing a lot of computer games. All my days there was like bear attacks, do you get me? Not really. Well, now they have a new problem in America, bear robberies. In Colorado, a bear broke into a couple's home and raided their fridge and cupboards. Now they know how bees feel. They were upstairs asleep, unaware as the bear spent six hours demolishing their kitchen. He raided the fridge, he left food everywhere while grunting away. Sounds like me after a night out. If the bear eventually nodded off in front of the TV whilst going through the higher-up Freesat channels, it really could have been me. The bear was caught on video because there was a security camera in the kitchen. Now, you know his missus thinks he needs to lose weight if she set up surveillance on their fridge. Put the cake down. Step away from the cake. The bear ate strawberries, cherries, blueberries, and organic apple oatmeal. There's a lot of fiber in that. I know what that bear will be doing in the woods. The bear also ripped the pantry door off of its hinges. Yeah, you see, that's how I get when I'm on the diet too. But what I like about this story is, it's the reverse of a children's fairy tale. Once upon a time, there was a young bear called Brownie Locks. One day, he went into a human's house and tried their food. He tried Daddy's human food, but it was too hot. He tried Mummy's human food, but it was too cold. Then he tried some baby human's food, and they got him with a tranquilizer dart. Yeah, it's not easy being a bear. Like a lot of people, I enjoy watching tennis. And like most of those people, I only really say that during Wimbledon. For two weeks, I get into it. But it's the spectacle that I like. The drama. The tears. Medvedev threw coins at an umpire's chair when he was unhappy about a decision. Yeah, I think you meant to bribe them before the game. And Rafael Nadal jumped up and headbutted a doorframe. He jumps up and down before a game. Didn't spot that the door was there and bang. Now, we shouldn't laugh. And as a tall man, I've smacked my head into many things. But there's just something funny about it. Tennis players are famous for grunting, and with the noises that he made, he should stand a good chance of winning. In fact, if you put women's tennis on, don't watch the picture, just listen to the sounds. It's like an old kung fu film. I think he should have to wear a head guard from now on for health and safety reasons. No one ever really mentions this, but there is a link between how often a sportsman gets hit on the head when they play their sport, and how they talk in post-match interviews. Track and field people make perfect sense, but then you see some footballer who likes to head the ball and they say Yes, well, at the end of the day it's a game of two halves and a win's a win and that's what I take away from it at the end of the day. The worry that I have is that if Nadal headbutts a door and then goes on to win a tournament because sports people are superstitious he'll make that his thing that he does before every game. Like before I do a stand-up gig people will say break a leg. You only really say that to actors and possibly mixed martial arts people. Well, from now on we'll have to say something really nasty to Nadal. What's that, Nadal? You want to go and play some tennis? Yeah, go on, knock yourself out. How can you tell if you drink too much coffee? I don't know. How can you tell if you drink too much coffee? No, I'm serious. This isn't a joke. We should be used to that from you by now. No, I think I've worked it out. I'm so synonymous with drinking coffee that when a news story came out saying drinking coffee is good for you, everyone I know sent it to me. I spent most of yesterday going through emails of people saying, study finds drinking more coffee could make you live longer. The irony is, I read most of those emails over a coffee. My mate Paul sent one saying, if drinking coffee makes you live longer, you'll end up like Mamra out of Thundercats. I think that was a compliment. I prefer to think of myself as the last man alive, like in the film I Am Legend. When all of humanity is gone, only one man survives. Right, let's get lots of things done. 
I'm like that because I'm drinking lots of coffee in the film. But I'm not sure why I drink so much. To keep awake? Why would I want to keep awake? I love being asleep, and in my dreams, I still have hair. I don't know it. If you don't like it, you could save yourself a lot of money. Oh, I know. On the weekend, there was another coffee story in the news that people emailed to me, saying that coffee drinkers spend over £2,000 a year in coffee shops, nearly £3 a cup for what is basically flavoured water. Then why do you think you go to coffee shops so much? If I'm honest, I think, well, I could pop into this coffee shop, spend two grand a year, or I could go into the office and make a coffee for free. But if I do that, I'll have to offer to make you one, and I'd rather go broke. Keep that up, and that coffee won't make you live longer. Ooh. A fast food restaurant has started to play classical music in its branches. At first glance, this sounds like things are going upmarket. Soon you'll hear people say, Oh, waiter, I'll have a happy meal, medium rare. But they're playing classical music to calm down rowdy late-night customers. It's similar to what they do on the London Underground, where they play classical music at certain stations to cut down on violent crime. Experts worked out that there's something about that kind of music that soothes the beast within, and it means we don't get violent. It's meant to be reassuring, but now if I turn up to a station and hear, I think, oh, it's one of those stations. It's like being in Escape from LA. The presumption that classical music stops people being violent seems flawed. We all know who was famously a fan of Wagner. And I suppose with a piece like this, it might not stop you being violent, but at least you know when the punches are coming. If it does work, maybe it should be used in more ways than just tube stations and late-night burger joints. If someone's found guilty of a violent crime, sentence them to walk around with classical music playing out of their mobile phone. It might get them a bit of a reputation. Oh, don't mind him. His bark's worse than his bite. Bark, you see. Yeah. Oh, I don't know if I like this or not. It's worrying that places are so rowdy, but I quite like the idea of listening to a bit of classical music. I enjoy it. Oh, yeah? Are you going to go to the proms? Certainly not. With the amount of classical music they have to pump in there, that crowd must be feral. The mobile phone has been a revolution. The problem is, it only works with certain sensors. You can hear people on the calls, you can see people you FaceTime, but there's nothing for smell. At the moment, the mobile phone cannot detect smells and transmit them, which is not all bad. If ever you've been pocket-dialed by a friend, you wouldn't want that. Hello? Hello? Oh. But now there's an app that does half of that. Your phone can now be used to work out if you smell at work. It's designed to avoid the awkward situation where someone has to mention to you that you smell. It's so difficult to bring it up. We're British, we don't do confrontation well. We do things like saying, Uh, Derek, we're doing this new office game where the person who can go home and shower the quickest wins. If every year for Secret Santa you get Dettol, it's a hint. I've heard about this one guy here who smells so badly they make him sit in a studio on his own to record all these bits. Yeah, I wonder who that is. I don't know, I've never seen it happen. The Japanese developers say this device could help bring an end to sumahara, or smell harassment, as it's known over there. Sounds like a martial art. Yeah, you'd be black belt. Oh, thank you very much. There's a small detector that connects via Bluetooth, and your phone will let you know if you whiff. It's called Kunkun Body. Takes its name from the Japanese word to sniff. Make sure you turn it off if you're travelling into work by train. You'd risk overload. It's an interesting device, but I don't think I'll get one, because it costs over £200. Oh, don't worry. The office will have a whip round for you. I was sat there watching Wimbledon so excited because they said at the end we would get to hear who the new doctor is. And then this. And the Wimbledon champion of 2017, Roger Federer. 
And I thought, Roger Federer is the new Doctor Who? No, 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 that's a terrible move. The last time the Doctor was into sport, it was Peter Davison dressed like he was playing cricket. And that was the beginning of the end. But it turns out, that wasn't the actual announcement. An easy mistake to make, I was just too excited, too jumpy. When Killich hurt his foot and they had to call a doctor, I expected to hear... But that wasn't the announcement, it was after the tennis. We saw the big reveal. The 13th Doctor will be played by Jodie Whittaker. Some people were outraged. Jodie? Hang on, Jodie isn't a man's name? I mean, it is, but if you're a man called Jodie, you're probably used to it. Yes, the new Doctor will be played by a woman. Some Doctor Who fans weren't happy, with some saying they would never watch the show again. It seems strange that some people can buy into the fact there's someone who lives for thousands of years, travels through time and space and has two hearts. But try and tell them the Doctor has two other things near those hearts, and it's all too much for them. The Doctor isn't simply a vital statistic like sex. Well said. But I am happy she's 35. What? Well, before Peter Capaldi, they were getting younger and younger. So you're happy as long as the new Doctor's 35? Yep. Well, Roger Federer's 35. Are you sure you don't want him? No! I love when technology is really useful. Some of it, like sending a man to Mars, seems a little academic. Sending someone to Mars is only useful if we get to pick who we send. But now there's another breakthrough that may save lives. New technology is being introduced to deter people from being distracted by their mobile phones at level crossings. When you go near a level crossing, it'll send you a message. Now, some would say, Surely sending someone a message is the way to make people distracted by their phones, not stop it. But the thing is, these days, most people are already looking at their phones 24-7. You'll know this if you're a parent. If you want to see what your children's faces look like straight on, these days you have to follow them on Instagram. Darling, Sophie seems to have grown dog's ears. It's a system called geo-targeting, which means if you go near a certain level crossing, you'll get a message. Anything that can save lives is to be welcomed. I can't be the only one who wants to get his hands on this technology. If you can send someone a message based on where they are, you could do so much. You could have it in lampposts, which would send a message to stop people walking into lampposts while texting. But the downside is, I wouldn't get to see people walking into lampposts while texting. I really enjoy that. Worried about where your hubby's going of an evening? Have a geo-targeted texter set up in their favourite pub to send him home. The uses are endless. If you sit near me in a cinema, you'd get a message that says, Oi, no texting. Some of us are trying to watch Despicable Me 3. And if you still have your phone on when the film starts, you'll get another one that says, Congratulations, you've been selected to be sent to Mars. A £500 reward has been offered for the return of prize-winning cheeses from a Somerset manufacturer. £500 is a lot of money for cheese, unless you're in one of those trendy whole food places. But just how widespread is cheese theft? I went with my producer Bert to investigate. I didn't realise I'd been given a name. You'll need it for this. Okay. Cheese. One of the main food groups, but also a highly valued commodity. Cheese stolen from the UK can be sold on the black market as far away as China. I met cheese smuggler Mi Sintao. Halloumi. Hello, you. No, I was asking, have you got any halloumi? He walked out, but I was on the trail. I spoke to a Yorkshire shopkeeper who's been a victim. I asked him what was stolen. Edam. Look, I know you're an upset Yorkshireman, but there's no need for language like that. He walked out. This man is a cheese transport expert. You can tell if a vehicle's got illicit cheese because it's heavier than it should be on the manifest. So you'd okay a car leaner? 
Is Carlina a type of cheese? Yes, it is. Shut up, Bert. I don't know why you brought me. How much could you fit in a car in the old days? Tons. And with modern cars? Still tons. I didn't ask for the type of cheese. He walked out. The reason they're walking out is because they've realised all you're doing is crowbarring in the names of cheese. Yeah, you might be right. Okay, let's go home. Come on, Bert. Come on, Bert. Instagram has done it again. After streamlining the speed with which people can bore you with their holiday snaps and then putting pressure on us all to look as good in real life as other people do in filters, it's found another way to make our lives worse. For ages now, the web obsessed have been taking pictures of all their meals. Don't get me wrong, some of the food on there looks great. But by the time you've got your phone out, you've got the right snap, you pick the right filter and you post it with all the right hashtags, your dinner's gone cold. Well, now people have been adding flowers to their meals to make them look more attractive. Like your dinner was a date to the prom and you've bought it a corsage. People have been putting pretty flowers on their dindins. And then there was a warning that some of these flowers could be poisonous. <sighs> I know they say if you want to look good you have to suffer, but not stomach pumping. The problem is those fancy flowers on the food are being called edible flowers. So they're not just like parsley, bay leaves or lingerie, where the first thing you do is take it off before you enjoy it. You actually eat those flowers. Botanists have warned that people may accidentally consume toxic flowers as they struggle to identify the edible ones. Since when has eating flowers been a stylish thing to do? If I turn up to take you out on a date with a bunch of flowers and you take a bite, I am running away. And it would ruin BBC One. And here we see one of the rarest orchids. The Latin name which... But just to be really sure, the only kind of flower I'll be putting on my dinner is self-raising. As we reach the end of the week, I'm looking forward to getting one of those new £10 notes. In fact, at the end of most weeks, I'm looking forward to getting a £10 note. No wonder I didn't make it onto that high-paid list at the BBC. Do they realise I'm a man? Yeah. The new note is like the new fiver. All the usual stuff, made of plastic, involved tallow, so they can't say, no cows were harmed in the making of this note. But you may have heard that it will feature the face of a woman. If you don't know what a woman is, just imagine Doctor Who. Jane Austen will be featured on the note, and the leader of the House of Commons, Andrea Leadsom, was very happy about this. Andrea said that Jane Austen was one of our greatest living authors. Oh, ah, awkward. Someone's going to have to have that sit-down talk with Andrea and tell her that Jane's dead. Andrea, Jane had to go and live on a farm far away. Or we could just go and get a replacement Jane Austen that looks just like the first one and swap it like your parents did with a goldfish. How would we know what Jane Austen looked like? We'll go and get a new tenor. Andrea Leadsom must have had a bad day after finding that out. You wait till she hears about Shakespeare and it'll take ages to tell her how many famous people we lost in 2016. And dinosaurs. How are we going to explain dinosaurs to Andrea Leadsom? Oh, just get someone from the DUP to do it. It can be difficult to come to terms with news like that. Apparently her advisors tried to find a way to explain it and they said, Jane Austen is... Uh, do you remember what happened to your chances of being the conservative leader after your comments about Theresa May not having children? Yep, well that... I'm going to say something you don't hear very often in the media. Donald Trump might just be a genius. You can see that on social media, mainly tweeted on Donald Trump's account, but not in the mainstream media, and I think he might be one. It's been claimed that he's looking into the possibility of using his presidential pardon on himself. If I could pardon myself of crimes, oh, I'd be a right little tinker. But is it possible? To find out, I'm joined by an American law expert. In America, the president got the ability to let people off from their crimes. Pardon? 
Exactly. That's what I was trying to say. I'm also joined by another American law expert. This one we can understand. In America, the president has the ability to pardon someone for a crime. He also traditionally pardons a turkey before Thanksgiving. It means the turkey will now be eaten for Thanksgiving. Oh, that's nice. But with Christmas just around the corner, it does not look good. Is that what Donald Trump will do? The complication is that turkey might be added to Donald's no-fly list, and then things do have wings, so even if pardoned, it could end up in Guantanamo. Okay, so back to Donald. Why would he pardon himself? Evidence came to light that his son, Donald Trump Jr., met with Russians who planned to affect the election. How did this evidence come out? Donald Trump Jr. tweeted it. Yep. If any laws are found to have been broken, they could be charged. And then what happens if Donald Trump pardons himself and his family? In all probability, he'll get the wrong pardon, still go to jail, but at least he won't be eaten for Thanksgiving. Did you know one in seven Brits never get out to the countryside? They're missing out on that moment where you get away from it all and breathe in the fresh air. Oh, there must be muck spreading. I always thought I was at one with nature. I've been around Sean Woods and didn't starve. But the more I look at this survey, the more I'm worried that I'm one of those town folk. One third couldn't identify a barn owl. I could identify an owl. I could identify a barn. But I don't think I'd know a barn owl from a, I don't know, garage owl. Two thirds have no idea what a turtle dove is. Again, I could spot a dove. I could spot a turtle. But these weird hybrids are making it hard. Where's the survey about how well the country folk would do if they were airdropped into a busy town? How many would be able to find a place to to buy bread on a Sunday after 4pm when the supermarkets are shut. Petrol station's the answer, by the way. You know, useful life skills, survival skills, that's what Bear Grylls should be teaching. Okay, I'm stranded in a town, but I've nearly used all my data, so if I stand outside this pub, I can log on to the Wi-Fi without going in. I'm joined now by a countryside campaigner. Hello. Hello, Steve. We think it's time that you town dwellers enjoyed the country more. Would you know how to order a coffee in a coffee shop? I'd ask for a coffee. No, never use the word coffee. You have to be able to say a half-calf skinny mocha frappuccino without even looking at the board or you'll annoy everyone in the queue. Well, and if you spend all your time in the country and never go into a town of an evening, you may never see a fox. We have foxes in the country. Do you? I'm amazed there's enough food for them. You don't see many bins in fields. Actually, I've changed my mind. Probably best that you stay in a town, Steve. New research has found that driving for two hours lowers your IQ. So that explains Top Gear. Tests show that if you spend hours in the car every day, you tend to perform less well in IQ tests over time. This goes some way to explaining the kind of conversations you might have in a taxi. You'll never guess who I had in the back of this taxi the other day. Who? An alien Shergar. Alien Shergar? Do you mean Alan Sugar? Close enough. The reason I'm worried about this is two hours of driving will do your IQ in, and I live one hour away from work. So there and back means I'm travelling for... Oh, it started already. It's totally believable that driving makes you stupid when you see the stupid things people do on the roads. You see people coasting down the middle lane on a motorway. Do they think it's like a river and the current is faster there? Or people going all the way around a roundabout with their left indicator on? That's either stupid or some kind of entrapment thing. They want you to pull out so they can have one of those have you had an accident lawyer moments. And we've all seen the guy who's been to a timber yard doesn't want to have to pay for the delivery so has four yards of planks to 
sticking out of his rear window. Whenever I'm sat behind one of those in traffic, I think, is he going to make someone walk that? And I can tell it's slowing my brain too. If I see someone in a left-hand drive car, and there's a dog in the passenger seat, for more seconds than I should really admit, I think to myself, wow, that dog can drive a car. All of this driving is doing our brains in. Well, why don't you get the train to work then? The train? What do you think? I'm stupid. A new survey has found that men called Wayne are most likely to be a liar and a cheat. Is this a survey of one woman, was it? I'll tell you about Wayne's. Wayne's are liars and cheats and they will definitely go off with Lisa from accounts. It was actually a survey of 2,000 women, which sounds like a lot of women, but not to Wayne though. To Wayne, that's probably just a busy month. So if you are a woman who's dating someone called Wayne, watch out. He might be a liar. Don't be too smug if you're dating someone who's not called Wayne. Wayne is such a big liar, he's probably using a fake name. According to the stats, tall, rock music-loving Frenchmen who work in IT are also likely to be unfaithful. Claude, I knew it! Could there be anything in this? I spoke to a statistician. For some of it makes sense. Tall men may be seen as more attractive and may get more chance to cheat. Rock fans will go to social events where drink is consumed, but I don't know why women would be drawn to IT workers. I know. They should go for someone who analyses maps. We're the hot ones. Nope. I do feel sorry for Wayne's, though. You can't really judge someone just by their first name. Okay, a survey says people called Wayne are likely to be unfaithful, but think of other famous Waynes. Um, Rooney. Oh, okay, bad pick. Tarring all Waynes with the same brush is like saying all Steves are the same. We're a pretty good bunch, actually. Steve Davis. Known for being boring. Uh, Stephen Hawking. He left his wife for his nurse. Oh, dear. Uh... Steve Bannon. Oh, forget it. Do you know what? That's it. I'm changing my name. To what? Wayne. A London club has got in trouble for a job advert that some say is unreasonable. Is it West Ham? They have to someone who's good at football. No, it was a jazz club, but they were looking for bar staff, and they said they only wanted extremely attractive people to apply. Oh, I find that out of order. Of course you do. What do you mean? You'd be offended by something that upsets unattractive people. You know, you've got a face for radio. I was on BBC Two last night. Have you got to come back to that? No, but I do have eyes. Okay. Anyway, they were looking for someone to fill the £10 an hour waiting job. They're not going to work for that. They're off getting paid loads of money being models or pop stars or TV stars on BBC Two. I've still got eyes, you know. And why do they presume that people want attractive bar staff? You don't want to go out and feel like you are definitely the least attractive person in the place. Some people might like to see someone who is unathletic in the face. So that's how you got the TV work. I was going to do a bit now where I went to speak to the head of a recruitment firm that specialises in attractive people. Why aren't you? Uh, the security guard wouldn't let me in the building. That's weird. So instead, I took another look at the advert. They want someone who is fun and has a lively attitude. People on Twitter were quick to point out, which is what people on Twitter do, that the advert broke discrimination rules. You can't ask for attractive people in a job advert. But you can ask for someone who has a fun and lively attitude. It seems wrong that you can discriminate against those who are boring and miserable. So this story has upset you twice. There are claims that Brexit could affect the quality of whiskey we drink, and that's tricky, because if it turns out to be true, what can you do to drown your sorrows? Nothing you'd enjoy. It's because of worries that in striking up a trade deal with America, we'd have to change our definition of what whiskey is. Scotch whiskey is aged for 10 years, but America might be free to sell us whiskey that's aged for 12 months. That's nothing. I've got things in the fridge aged for longer than that. At the moment, the EU gives protected status to certain items, like champagne can only be champagne if it's made in the Champagne region. I suggest 
suggested we get round that by calling the new garden city Neb's fleet Champagny. We could make wine there, ship it out on HS1. Bosh. Does leaving the EU mean the loss of protected statuses? To find out more, I'm joined by an expert. The UK could pass its own laws bringing in even more protected statuses. Like what? Well, at the moment, Cornish pasties have to be made in Cornwall. So we should be even stricter. Cheddar cheese should only be made in the village of Cheddar. This is going too far. But Kent would benefit. How so? The hamlet of Thong would have a lively textiles industry. Um, If a farmer wanted to keep his sheep penned in, he'd have to buy from Ramsgate. And if he wants to keep his mum penned in, he'd go to Margate? Oh, don't be silly. Oh, I'm the one being silly. Think of how much money we'd bring into the county if all the sandwiches in the world had to be made in sandwich. And what would you put on these sandwiches? I don't know, a slice of cheese. And what type of cheese would you use? Cheddar. Oh. Exactly. Well, back to the drawing board. And if you need some chalk, I know where you can go. Why not follow on Twitter at Mr. Stephen Allen? You could subscribe to the podcast as well. You do that by searching for Steve and Allen's Week in your podcast app.